This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Merry Christmas. Glad to see all of you out here today. Our prayer here is that you have an encounter with God today. And maybe you already have, but we're going to give you a chance to come to the altar before the day's over. So it's going to be a good day. A couple things to remind you of real quick. Wednesday night we have a family service. It's going to be incredible. A lot of things happening. We're going to repeat some of the things that happened from our Christmas play last week. And so this will help some of you who have the tendency to be late. Be on time, okay? Be on time or you're going to miss some of it. That's this Wednesday. And then a week from today, Sunday the 27th, we only have one service, 11 o'clock. So be sure and check your bulletins. All right. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand? Get it up real high and our ushers will get you one. Want you to see the Word of God. We've been on identity now for, oh, five, six weeks, and I wanted to end. And so, man, I thought, well, let's go ahead and finish it up this Sunday. And this is a good one, okay? This is a real, real good one. Once you get a Bible, go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, as you're turning there, I, I can't exalt my experiences in life over God's Word. Because things happen in life... But my experiences, even though I don't understand everything, they do not change the Word of God or they do not change the the character of God. Psalms 119, the Lord said this, that His Word is forever settled in heaven. Psalms 138, He said, I magnify my Word above my name. Jeremiah 1, verse 12, He said, He watches over His Word to perform it. So one of the things you're going to hear several times today is what does a promise from God do for me? What will a promise from God do for you? I I believe personally, you'll see biblically here, it will change the way you live, and it'll change your identity. So this morning, we begin 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God, now get, get that right there. All the promises of God. Not a few of them, not some of them, not the major ones, not the minor ones, but all the, God, all the promises of God in Him are yes. Now, i got to get a hold of what He's telling me there. Not some of them, but all of them. The answer yes is found in what Jesus did for. So He goes on to say all the promises of God are yes, and in Him, Amen. Now, the word amen itself means so be it. So every time I hear the promise of God, I can look at it and I can say amen. I can say so be it, that that is what's going to occur in my life. So he goes on to say this, and to the glory of God through us. Now, he who establishes, affirms us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Now, he said, I'm going to establish you. And I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to anoint you to fulfill the things I desire for you to do. Verse 22. Who also has sealed us. The New International Version says, He set His seal of ownership on us. And He's given us the spirits in our heart as a guarantee. And so when I read what He's talking about here, the guarantee is God's commitment. And what's God's commitment about? That he will confirm the yes and the amen in our lives because of Jesus Christ. And so today you see right here that God is a God of promise. 
And it becomes difficult for us as human beings to understand God can't lie. God doesn't change. And the reason I say that, because every one of us in this room, we've been lied to. We've had promises broken by other people. But to flip that coin over there, how many of us have ever lied to someone? How many of us have ever broken commitments to wants? Yeah, we have. But understand this, not Father God. When God promises, that's his intention. See, God would have never promised to bless us if he didn't want it to happen. But he did promise. So we go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12. Now, if you were here at the beginning of this a couple weeks ago, this was one of our main uh, subject matters, one of our main scriptural references. So we're going to repeat it again just to give you a little idea of some things that are going to take place today. Genesis 12. Read with me in verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now you say, man, that's a great promise for Abraham. But this verse here is cross-referenced into Galatians 3. Galatians 3.8 says this, that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And you say, well, what's the big deal about that? In, Gen- or in Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14, it says that the blessings of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs> That's a good thing. You could have shouted right there. You missed a good opportunity to shout. So when he said the blessings of Abraham, these same blessings, these same promises that he promised him, he's promised them to me and you. That I can live with the blessing, I can live multiplied, that he wants to make my name great and he's blessed me to be a blessing. But all this happens for me and you through Jesus. Now it's important that we see this today. Turn a couple pages, Genesis chapter 17. We'll begin in in verse number 1. But God's goal was to bless Abraham spiritually, emotionally, physically, and even materially. So if the blessings of Abraham would come upon us as Gentiles, he wants the same for me and you. So how do we tap into that? Well, watch this, verse 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Now, this is what he's telling Abram, but really, in essence, he's telling me and you the same thing. And so he said, walk before me. Walk by my word. Walk in my truth and be blameless. The word blameless itself is is rooted in the word of loyalty. Do you know loyalty is a big deal in God's eyes? 2 Chronicles 16, it says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the earth, looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. So this is exactly what he tells Abraham, but even more so, this is what he tells me and you. you got to get in the word and become loyal to God. Verse 2, and I will make my covenant between me and you. Now, the word covenant is one of the strongest words used in the Hebrew language. 
The word covenant means a treaty, a pledge, a promise. The word covenant itself in the Old Testament is spoken over over 250 times. So understand this again. When God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you, he's not crossing his fingers. He means it. So he tells Abram that, and he said, and you will multiply, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Now, Abraham could have looked at God and said, God, you got the wrong guy. I'm old. I'm old, man. My bones are cracking. I'm too old for that. But instead of questioning what God does, in verse 3, it says that Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now, God here was arranging that every time that Abraham heard his name, or he even spoke his own name, it would be a continued reminder to him of what God made the covenant with. God said, I'm going to bless you, buddy. And so every time he would hear, Abraham, Abraham, it was a reminder. God wanted to begin to change his identity. He wanted Abraham to change the way he saw himself. Verse 6. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish or confirm my covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you in their generation, for an everlasting covenant be to God and your descendants after you. Now the principle here was, let God's word, which designated his will and his desire for your life, let it govern the way you think and let it change the way you speak. Now this is important for every one of us in this room. Remember that the blessings of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles. So in the same way that God wanted to shape the way Abraham thought, And the way Abraham talked, he wants to do that for me and you. The thinking part is is found in in Romans 12 too. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the word of God. But when it talks about what I speak over myself, do not name yourself anything less than what God says about you. Now that's a good one right there. I can't find one place in the Bible where he says, you're stupid. But yet many times I'll say, I'm so stupid. There's no place in the Bible where I can find that that God said you're ugly. That God said you're this or that. No, but many times in our life, we program ourselves to think that way about ourselves because everything was related to the experiences in our life. When we fail in life, we label ourselves a failure. But just because I fail doesn't make me a failure. Just as much as telling a lie doesn't make me a liar. But oftentimes, the devil will try to get you to start saying out of your mouth things that God didn't say. And so even in this sense, this is what God began to do to Abraham. He said, i got to get in you where you change the way you think and what you say about yourself. Verse 15, same chapter. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife... You shall not call her name Sarai, but you shall call her Sarah. 
and I will bless her, and I'll also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings and people shall come from her. Now, when I read this about Abraham and Sarah, would they dare? Would they dare step out by faith and start saying about themselves what God said about them? Would they say out of their mouth, I am Abraham, the father of many nations. I am Sarah, the mother of many nations. For them to step out by faith and do that, they would be ridiculed, they would be persecuted, they would be laughed at, they would even be mocked by people. Why? Because when Abraham and Sarah begin to say, I'm the mother and father of many nations, you know how many children they had? Zero. So people would look at them and say, who do you think you are, dummy? And on top of that, Abraham's older than dirt, and Sarah's like a dinosaur. She's ancient. And we know physically that people that are nearing 100, they don't have babies. People in their mid-50s, they don't want babies. <laughs> no. And so you can imagine everything that's going on in this man named Abraham and Sarah. And he's saying, listen, Sarah, God said this. God promised this. And so one thing that Abraham and Sarah had is they had an asset called, called a promise, called a covenant that God said. And so it goes back to the question again. What will a promise do for me? It'll change the way I think. It'll change the way I see myself. It will literally change my identity when I step out in faith and I believe in an immovable and an unshakable God that he'll do what he promised. So it goes all the way back. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. That the blessings of Abraham would come upon us through Christ Jesus. So in order for the blessings of Abraham to come on me, i got to begin to act like Abraham. i got to begin to do the things that Abraham was called to do. See, oftentimes in life, we want what other people have, but we don't want to do what they've done to get it. And we live in this society called instant. And when things don't happen for us instant, we say God doesn't work, God doesn't move. Why? We're, loose to, we're used to uh, punching an ATM. And it spits out money. We're used to putting microwave or, or uh, popcorn in the microwave. Two minutes and ten seconds on mine and it'll ding. But if it goes five minutes, that irritates me. Again, we look at the drive through at McDonald's. Man, if they take more than two minutes, we're, we're out of the line. I'm not going there anymore. I'm done. And so, so much in our life, our society is now, 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 now. But see, God's into marinating. God's into, he's, he's into baking. He's into really making us absorb the things that he has and says, listen, I want your life to be so saturated with what I'm wanting to do. So look back at verse 6 and 7. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations for you and kings shall come for you. And I will establish my covenant. And so this is what a promise will do. Now, go into the New Testament to Romans chapter 4. And this is where this passage will pick back up. 
And this is a great passage here in the New Testament. This is a lesson that God wants us to get. That we must decide. Do either believe that God means what he says. Or he doesn't. I will tell you this. There's got to come a time in your life. Where this becomes my life manual. Every bit of it. The B-I-B-L-E wasn't meant to be multiple choice. Oh, I like number one and number three, but I hate number six. No, we've got to get in there and say, this is the word of God. And to whom God loves, he corrects. Woo. Romans chapter four. Verse 13. For the promise, wow, there's that word again. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. Had nothing to do with the Jewish law. That's what he's telling us. So what did it have to do with? But through the righteousness of faith. And when it talks about the righteousness of faith, it's talking about, I just got to learn to believe God. I trust in God. He says in verse 14, For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void or empty, and the promise is made in no effect, or the promise is annulled. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Some of you say, what did you just read? What did you just say? I realize that's a mouthful right there. Listen to this in the message translation. This will help you. That famous promise God gave Abraham that he and his children would possess the earth was not given because of something that Abraham did or would do. It was based on God's decision to put everything together for him, which Abraham then entered when he believed. If those who get what God gives them only get it by doing everything that they're told to do and filling out all the forms properly signed, that eliminates personal trust completely. And it turns the promise into an ironclad contract. That's not a holy promise. That's a business deal. A contract, a contract drawn up by a hard-nosed lawyer and with plenty of fine print only makes sure that you will never be able to collect but if there is no contract in the first place, simply a promise, and God's promise, at that, you can't break it. So he's telling me right there, man, when God gives you a promise, you hang on to that thing. You don't let go of it. You believe it and you speak it. Now, we pick back up in verse 16. Therefore, it is a faith. The Amplified says, therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith. That's how we do that's how we receive the promises of God. We believe what God said, and he's using Abraham as the illustration. Therefore, it is a faith that may be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, the way God looks at people, he sees people in three categories. The biblical reference is what I'm fixing to tell you is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 32. He sees the Jew, the Gentile, and the church. Right there. Every bit of that is in 1 Corinthians 10. The Jew is a person that's born this earth as a Jew. That's how he's born into this earth, okay? The Gentile is this. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Okay? And if you're a Gentile... Your only hope is the blood of Jesus. That's it. 
So when I receive Jesus as Lord of my life, I've now put him been put into a new category. I'm part of the church. And so that the blessings of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles who are in Christ Jesus. So literally what he's telling me here is that Jesus qualified me. Man, I come under the covenant because of the blood of Jesus. Verse 17. As it is written, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Remember, that's Genesis 17. I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed God. He had to believe God. He had to trust God that God was faithful to fulfill the promise. Who gives life to the dead and he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now this is what God did. So God began to call Abraham the father of many nations before Abraham actually was the father of many nations. And a lot of people would say, well, God lied. No, God didn't lie because it was based on the written word. It was based on a promise. So when you look at this, the same way that God told Abraham, you've got to start calling those things that don't exist as though they do. And remember, it was all based on the written word of God. So this is what it looks like for me and you. I find a scripture and I begin to line my words up with what that word says. For illustration, if you've said in your life, I can't ever make good grades in school. I can't ever get a good job. I can't ever get married. You need to change your vocabulary. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. So I hold on to that promise and I begin to stand on the word of God and I begin to say what God says about me, okay? And so in Abraham and Sarah's life right here, they had to change their vocabulary. Same as me and you. You know why? As human beings, we're programmed with failure. We're programmed with defeat. We're programmed with negativity. And when we start saying those things about ourselves, before long, you know what happens? We start believing them. We start believing, I can't, I can't. See, even in Abraham's and Sarah's life, life's experiences said, no way. Common sense said, no way. But again, we go back to the promise. What was written? And it was established because of the word of God. They had the word, just like we do. Verse 18. Who contrary to hope, and really what that's talking about is ordinary human expectation. In hope is an expectation that God would fulfill his promise. They believed. They believed. They just said, you know what? If God said it, I'm going to believe it. Keep reading. So that he became the father of many nations. How did he become the father of many nations? According to what was spoken. So we go back to the Word of God. Anytime you can find where the Word of God says something, you can always tell the devil, it's finished. Because this thing right here called the Word of God, that's me and you's title deed. I got a title deed. I can have what God says I can have. I can be what God says I can be. And I can do what God says I can do. You know why? Because He gives me permission right here. 
He gives me a promise. He's given you a promise. And so all the promises of God, according to 2 Corinthians 1.20, are yes and in Him, amen. Thank you. So be it. Keep reading with me. Verse 19. And not being weak in faith, and not being weak in faith. How do I become weak in faith? Well, the, the question you got to answer is this. How do I get faith? Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Without hearing the word of God on a consistent, a regular basis, your faith is going to weaken, okay? And so I got to keep hearing the word of God over and over. But he gives me a little nugget in here. This is another area that will cause my faith to weaken. Keep reading. Abraham did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So what happens here that my faith will, will grow weak is when I begin to look on everything outwardly. When all I believe is what I see, what I feel, what I smell, what I touch. A lot of people will say, I won't believe it if I can't see it. I won't believe it if I can't touch it. Remember Thomas when they said that Jesus had rose from the dead? That was his exact words. He said, boys, I won't believe it unless I can see the nail prints in his hands. And a few minutes later, Jesus strolled in and said, Thomas, stupid. No, Jesus didn't say that. Pastor said that. But again, see, so many times it, it weakens our faith. Do you know faith has eyes? Faith has eyes. Faith sees those things that God promises. And faith can latch a hold of them in here. And so he tells me right here, man, don't be dominated by what you see. Don't be dominated by what you hear. Don't be dominated by what people say. The only thing that moves me, the word of God. Verse 20. Abraham did not waver at the promise of God. You know what the word waver means? It means there's a, a struggle within my mind. That means there's a tug of war within my mind. The word waver has to do with stagger. He didn't stagger at the promise of God. He didn't question the promise of God. One translation says he didn't tiptoe around the promises of God. And so when you look at this, he said he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But he was strengthened in faith. How was he strengthened in faith? He gave glory to God. You know what that tells me right there? Once I get faith inside me, one of the ways I keep my faith stirred up is I give glory to God. And this is what I believe Abraham began to do. I believe he began to march around his house and say, Whoo, Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you call me the father of many nations. I thank you that you promised and you said, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to multiply you, I'm going to make your name great. I'm gonna bless, you've blessed me to be a blessing. I think he continually give God, thank you, Father God, thank you. And it stirred up the faith within him. It's the same with me and you. That's why it's important, not just on Sunday mornings, but you have an altar encounter in your life where you raise your hands to God and you say, Father God, I thank you. Thank you for my daily provision. Thank you for daily protection. And he'll stir up faith. And this is what happened to him. Because my faith is not determined by my circumstances. My faith is only determined by the word of God. That's it. 
And God's promises aren't subject to my situations. My situations are subject to the word of God. And so again, when I just grab a hold of the word of God, and this is what Abraham did. He said, I'm not going to let go of it. And remember in, in Romans 4.17, it said that God even spoke to the dead things in life. I don't care how old you are. God will speak to the dead things in your life. Let me ask you a question to this day. What's dead in your life today? You had a dead end in your relationships? Is your marriage dead? Are there all kinds of dead things in your life? It's okay to say, yeah, pastor, I'm dead in this area and I'm dead in that area. But here's the thing that will revive you. You've got to start speaking to those things. You've got to start calling those things that be not as though you are. You've got to stand on the word of God and say, this is what God promised. Keep reading here. Verse 21. And being fully uh, convinced or fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform it. The message said, Abraham literally plugged into the promise. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now watch verse 23. Now it was not written for his, Abraham's sake alone, that it was imputed or accredited to him, but also for us. So the very same thing that God had spoke to Abraham, he said, you little Gentiles, I got some hope for you right here. This is written for you fellas too. Thank the Lord it was. It shall be a credit to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Jesus became our security. Now, what all that means right there? is the very things that God spoke to Abraham, he says the same things about me and you. He says, I want to bless you. I want to multiply. I want to make your name great. I want to bless you to be a blessing. But the issue is, do I believe it? And if I believe it, I take the written word, and the written word of God, just this book right here alone, is called the Logos. You know how you get the Logos to come alive? You do what they call the Rhema. You start speaking the word out of your mouth. You start saying the same things that God did. And you walk through your house and you say, I thank you, Father God. You said in Psalms 107, I'm the redeemed of the Lord. And I say so today because of what you did for me, Jesus. I walk in divine life. I walk in divine blessing. And I walk in divine health. I thank you, Jesus, according to Deuteronomy 28. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I go over and God under. Now, the key for you is the same key for my life, that one day you got to start saying those things, but you got to start. One of the best ways you start, you get a three-by-five card, and you start writing down scriptures. And on a daily basis, you pull your little scriptures out, and these are called affirmations. And you start affirming in your heart every day, this is what God says about me. And you begin to speak, oh, my kids, the word of God in them will not return void. That's Isaiah 54. You begin to speak the word of God that through the stripes of Jesus, I walk in divine health. That's 1 Peter 2.24. You begin to sleep, uh, say that every time I go to sleep, my sleep is sweet and peaceful. That's, that's uh, Proverbs 4 and 8. You start getting in line with the word of God. And you say, Pastor, do you really do that? I do. 
I do it. I get, I get crazy sometimes. I mean crazy with it. I got a big old sword. Pull that sword out. And my staff all runs for cover, and I don't get the sword out around them. I tell you, I, I live it. I, I, it becomes alive in me. And I begin to speak the things of God over my home. My home was full of peace. My wife is a blessed wife. And I'm not trying to score brownie points. She's not even in here. Man, my marriage is blessed. We walk in love and respect. We have great communication. We have great fellowship. We have great intimacy. And this is a thing that I have to speak over myself. I, I'm not much of a romancer. I heard her one day, some of the girls in her church, said, I bet Pastor Stormy's such a romancer. And she said, he's not a romancer at all. She didn't say it ugly, it was truth. So I started saying that over myself. I said, Father God, help me to be a romancer. So you know what I do to romance her? On her birthday, I'd take her to Dairy Queen and let her supersize. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, we got a break. It's a little tight in here. Two more scriptures. Hebrews 4. Now, listen, guys, before you start taking your wife to Dairy Queen to romance her, you got to be married over 30 years, okay? Don't do that, all right? Well, Pastor said, if I bought you a blizzard, she may blizzard you. Proverbs 4. Proverbs, not Proverbs, Hebrews. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Therefore, since the promise and assurance remains of entering his rest, let us fear, least of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, the Israelites, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in those who, were, uh, who heard it. So this tells me here. We can hear the word of God day by day by day by day by day by day. But if I don't believe the word of God, if I don't step out by faith and begin to speak it out of my mouth, Romans 10 says that you'll believe in your heart and you'll speak with your mouth, then the faith won't ever come alive. And he's warning us right here. Turn the page. Hebrews 6, verse 12. Last verse. Hebrews 6, verse 12. That you do not become sluggish or lazy, but imitate, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. If we imitated Abraham and Sarah, it was years in the making. Years, plural. Before this promise came to pass. What if it takes five years? What if it takes ten? What if it takes twenty? See I imitate those. Through faith and patience. That I get a hold and I say you know what Father God. My job is just to believe you. My God is just to trust you. My God is not. My, my job isn't to determine when it's going to happen. But see that's the problem. Too many times when things don't happen on my table. You know what we say? It's not working. It's not working. But remember this, God doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. He can't lie. His word's forever settled in heaven. He watches over his word to perform it. So what I begin to do is I begin to think in this, this thinking right here. 
Lord, help me. That you know the perfect time, the perfect hour, and the perfect place for my life. And that's not always easy, but one of the best prayers you can have is this, Lord. I want to walk in your will all the days of my life. Not my will. I want your will to be done in my life. And if that means not going into the ministry for 20 plus years, so be it. If that means I'm, well, I may have to be single for another five more years. Understand this. God's working on you. He's doing some things. You know, just just with a real heart of reverence here. I had a little a little thought here for 2016 in the first service, and I sensed the Lord saying that let, let, let the Holy Spirit speak here. 2016 will be a year that things will begin to shift. And some of my children will begin to drift. There are ones that will begin to murmur and to complain. Some will fuss, and some will be in situations where they'll want to cuss. There'll be ones that will begin to trust in the oil, the oil, gold, and silver. They'll put their trust in even a government. But oh, as the days go by in this upcoming year, you will begin to hear vanity, vanity. It's useless. It's useless. But I look for the ones who will begin to trust in me. Those ones that will begin to live and give me everything. So begin to raise your standard and begin to raise the bar. And you will watch me go into motion. Name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. You know, the, the, these last few weeks in prayer, I begin to say, Lord, give give utterance to the body of Christ. Give utterance to the body of Christ. And, and I don't believe that's just me. I believe there's ones in this room that'll have utterance. But the Lord usually does these things when sequences with me. And I believe each week stuff will begin to, to jump out. So heed these. Take warning from these. Got a mic there, Pastor Jimmy. Stay real reverent here. The God's doing something. The standard that Pastor Stormy's talking about is something that starts in every person's individual home. And the standard starts with you, with you finding your identity. And from that identity, you birth that identity into your children. And you find what the Word of God says about your children. And you speak that and you speak it. And then your children will begin to speak it. And then your grandchildren will begin to speak it. And so I say right now, you take a hold of your home and you do not let the standard, what goes on to the left or the right, but you say, our family, we will serve God and I will speak and I will develop my children. And from my development, God will come into my children and my children will call me blessed and my children will bless the Lord all the days of their life. But it starts with me. It starts with me. You cannot give your children what you do not have. And God wants you to take time. Take time in what's important. What is important? Entertainment, athletics are not important. God needs to be at the center of your home.
Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.